0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, and I trust that you will continue to watch today as we discuss a Bible subject entitled, Remembering Jesus. Remembering Jesus. I hope that you'll stay tuned today. None of us wants to be forgotten. We want to talk about remembering Jesus. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. We want you to avail yourself of this opportunity today. Don't hesitate. We're going to continue to offer this course so that people can learn more and more about their Bible. Now, in order that you might know more about the course and that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll free 1-877-711-5214 For
1: I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. The ability to remember is a great blessing. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to lose the ability to remember? I have known of people who, who lost that ability. And it's a very sad thing to, to see an individual who can no longer remember things for example if we could not remember we would not know who we are we would not know where we are we would not know why we are where we are nor would we know where to go I mean life would be so confusing frustrating if we did not have the ability to remember. But God has blessed us with that ability. Now, all people want to be remembered. I have yet to meet a person to, who would say, I want to be forgotten. All people want to be remembered. That, that's the reason that people would have a tombstone put it there their gravesite, so that no one would forget about them, so they would be remembered. And that's the reason we do so many different things in life, and that's to be remembered. Jesus wanted to be remembered. And when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. I want you to remember me. I don't want you to ever forget about me. Regrettably, some people do. They may be people who've been in the church for 30 or 40 or 50 years, but somewhere along the way, they lose that ability to really remember what the Lord has done for them. Peter wrote about that when he said, He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. So when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, I want you to do this to remember me. Churches of Christ throughout the world observe the Lord's Supper every Sunday, every Lord's Day, to remember Jesus, to remember what Jesus has done on our behalf on the cross of Calvary. Well, what is there about Jesus that we ought to remember? Well, let's think about three things today that, that we need to remember about Jesus. And as I've already alluded to, we need to remember what Jesus has done. But we need to stop and remember that Jesus created the world. Everything that exists was made by Jesus. In John John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And without him was not anything made that hath been made. That's another way of saying that Jesus, the Word, was involved in the creation of the world. Paul said he's before all things, and by him all things consist. Jesus Christ, the Creator and the Sustainer of the universe. And so he was involved in that creation. And in time past, Jesus Christ was sent into this world by the Father. In Philippians, the second chapter, we're told, have this mind in you. This is in verse 5, which was also in Christ Jesus, who counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself in the form of a servant. Jesus came down from heaven in bodily form. In 1 Timothy 3.16, we're told without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Well, now how was God manifest in the flesh? He was manifest in the flesh in the person of his Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1, verse 14. Jesus came into the world. He was sent into the world, if you please. Now, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, 1 Timothy 1:15. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, John 4:34. In John 6:38, "I came down from heaven, not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me. I came down from heaven. Jesus Christ came to earth, and when he came to earth, he died on the cross of Calvary. Listen to Second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Well, how was Jesus rich? He was rich in that he was on an equality with God in heaven. Go back to the passage in Philippians 2, verse 5, beginning. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who counted not the being on an equality with God, a thing to be grasped, that is, held on to. Well, what did he do? Even though he was on a a par with God, an equality with God, he emptied himself in the form of a servant. Being found in fashion as a man, man, he humbled himself unto death, yea, the death of the cross." So Jesus Christ came into the world, and he died upon the cross. But Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by God's power. At times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he's appointed a day, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. That's found in the 17th chapter of Acts, verses 30 and 31. Raised from the dead. And then Jesus built the church. That's what he's done. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he made this announcement. In verse 18 of Matthew 16, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now the rock that he has reference to is not Peter, but rather it is the confession that Peter made. Back in verse 16, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the church is built not upon Peter. The church is built upon that bedrock truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He said upon this rock, I will build my church. And Jesus Christ fulfilled that promise on the first Pentecost following his resurrection from the dead when Peter preached the first recorded gospel sermon under the uh, Worldwide Commission, and people inquired what to do to be saved, and he gave them the answer. They needed to repent of their sins and be baptized for the remission of those sins, and about 3,000 people did just that. Jesus Christ has already built his church. So we need to remember what Jesus has done. But secondly... Let us remember what Jesus is doing. And Jesus is saving people. He's in the soul-saving business. In Hebrews 7.25, we're told that He's able to save to the uttermost. To the uttermost. He's able to save sinners of all kinds. He's able to save good moral people. He's able to save immoral people. He's able to save murderers, cutthroats. He's able to save all kinds of sinners. That's the reason Jesus Christ came into the world. Sometimes we get the notion that the only kind of people Jesus came to save were nice, decent, middle-class people. But I want you to know that's not what the Bible says. He came to save all people. He came to save people in America. He came to save people in South America. He came to save people in the Caribbean. He came to save people in Australia. He came to save people in Russia, in the Ukraine. He came to save people in Africa. He came to save people in India. He came to save people in Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan. In other words, Jesus Christ came to save people people all over the world. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all mankind. In the 10th chapter of Acts at the house of Cornelius, the Apostle Peter said in the 34th and 35th verse, I perceive of a truth that God is no of persons, but in every nation... He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And so you see, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And right now, Jesus is in the business of saving sinners. And when he saves someone from their sins, he doesn't do a halfway job. In Psalms 103 and verse 12, The psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our iniquities from us. When the Lord removes our sin, our iniquity, when he pardons us, he does a thorough, complete job of forgiving us of our sins. Acts 3.19 says, repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. In other words, when you become a Christian by believing on Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith by being baptized, he blots out your sin. It's gone. It's gone. And he no longer holds that sin against you. Romans chapter 4 and verse 8. There the Bible says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And that's the man who's had his sins washed in the blood. Of the Lamb. What is He now doing? Jesus is saving sinners. But Jesus is also now serving as our high priest. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as are we, yet without sin. We have a high priest. And because we have a high priest, listen to what we can do. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because we have Jesus as our high priest, we can come to the throne of God. And at the throne of God in the avenue of prayer, We can obtain mercy, and we can find grace there to help us when we are in our neediest time. And oh, that we can appreciate what Jesus Christ is doing for us right now. And Jesus also has a part, therefore, in the answering of our prayers. Over in the 7th chapter of Matthew and verse 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? What man is there that if his son asked him for something to eat, well, suppose his son said, Dad, would you give me a, a sandwich? Would he give him a rock instead of the of uh, the bread and the sandwich? Then verse 11 says, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a servant? Here's a young man says, Dad, would you, would you, make me a, you give me some fried fish to eat? And his dad says, no, I won't give you any fish, but I'll give you a snake. I'll give you a snake instead. Then Jesus said, if then being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, and we do, do we not? And especially to those grandchildren. We know how to give good things to them. He said, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Our Lord is in the business of, of answering prayer. And when we ask, we will receive. James chapter 4 and verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. We need to have more confidence in the prayers that we pray. Uh, Sometimes people will pray for the sick. And then in a few minutes you'll hear them talking. they say, I just don't see how that person can ever get well. That's not having confidence in what you've prayed. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So the Lord is answering prayer. Something else he's doing right now, he's reigning on his throne in heaven. And he's going to one day, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 24, he will render up the kingdom of God. And he must reign though, until he's put all enemies under his feet, verse 25. But let me tell you something else he's doing right now. He's still doing it. He's still adding the saved to the church. He's still doing that. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verse 47 praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. And today, when people are saved, by obeying the gospel of Christ, by believing and repenting and confessing, by being baptized, because Jesus said so. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark sixteen sixteen. So when they do that, the Lord adds them to the church. That's the reason we do not vote on people to see if they have a right to be a member of the church. That's not our business. That's God's business. When people become Christians, the Lord adds them to His body, which is called the church. He's still doing that today. And may I pause long enough to say, if you would become a Christian, the Lord will add you to His body, to the church. He'll just add you to it. You won't have to have someone to vote on you. You'll not even have to ask anyone if you can become a member of the church because when you saved, the Lord adds you to the church. But now so far we've talked about remembering what Jesus has done. Now we've talked about remembering what Jesus is doing. But we want to remember what Jesus is going to do. And first of all, he's going to come. Now the reason I know that is because that's what the Bible teaches. Peter was writing to elders in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4 when he, when he wrote and said, When the chief shepherd shall appear, you, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And so I know the chief shepherd's going to appear one day. and That's Jesus. Hebrews 9, 28 says he'll appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I know He's going to come back. I don't have any idea when that's going to be, but I know He will. That's that's yet in the future. And there's no need for us to try to figure out when that's going to be because the angels don't know. The Son doesn't even know, Mark 13, 32. The only one that has that information is God, Matthew 24, 35 and 36. And so, you see, there is no need for us to try to speculate about when Christ is going to come. We just need to live our lives every day as though he's coming that day, don't we? Expect him to come today. But here's what he's going to do. Jesus will come again. But Jesus also is going to judge the world when he comes again. Listen to Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all of His holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all nations and He shall separate them as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. He'll set the sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left. What a day that will be when Jesus comes again. He's coming back to judge the world. There have been a lot of interesting days in the history of the world, a lot of great days in the history of the world. But this will be the most interesting. And this will be the greatest day of them all. As a matter of fact, it's that One single day for which all of the other days were made. The day when Jesus Christ will return. And we ought to be looking for that time. Because when he comes back, we're going to appear in the judgment. There's absolutely no doubt about it. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And it will be the judgment seat of Christ. He will be our judge. You see, now Jesus is our Savior, our only Savior. Acts 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation any other, before there is no other name under heaven, whereby you must be saved. But Jesus, he's the only Savior. He's not one Savior out of many Saviors. He is the Savior, the only Savior, of mankind. Someone says, well, that's not politically correct. It may not be politically correct, but I can tell you, it is biblically correct. And so far as your eternal salvation is concerned, it is correct. He is our only Savior. And He's going to be our judge when He comes back. He's not going to be our Savior. And I am thankful He will be my judge because I know that as my judge, Jesus Christ will be impartial and he will be fair. Because you see, with Christ there is no respect of persons. He's coming. That's all yet in the future. And when the Lord comes one day, he's going to punish those that are wicked, Matthew 25 and verse 41, Depart from me accursed and everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46 of that same chapter says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. He's talking about those that are on the left in that judgment scene in Matthew 25. He's going to punish the wicked, but he will reward the faithful. But he says, but the righteous into life eternal. Let's never forget Jesus. Remember what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do yet in the future. And the next time you sit down around the Lord's table on the Lord's day and commune with the Lord, remember Jesus. What he's done is doing. And will do. I want to encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community, and also I'd encourage you to call for the free Bible course right now. I want to thank you for watching, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.